Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is all here and we are ready to get you into the football weekend. Glenn Gilbo will join us from OutKick.com. He's in Baton Rouge as Tennessee takes on LSU tomorrow morning. Looking forward to that chat and all of the football discussion over the next three hours. You can join us at Outkick360 on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and at Outkick.com. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Boys, I'm trying to think of the last time that I can remember a football game, a National Football League game, that was just dragged to the level of last night's game. And I can't really remember it. Oh, they, they, they're around. They're just not you typically seen many in games? prime time. <laughs> Again, I, mean, uh, I should have started with a prime time. Okay. Now, Thursday night games. That's what I'm getting to. Later in the season, you get Jacksonville. Titans-Jags for years. Yes. I think right. there's a little uh, but at least proximity games, bias. Even with bad there. teams were somewhat entertaining. There was a 9-6 game one year. Yeah. That was rough. Here's the thing about it. I, I loved this exchange when Al Michaels – said to uh, Herb Street, it's so bad, it's almost good. And Herb Street kind of wasn't getting it. I got what he was saying. Like, you get to a certain yeah. level of badness I was with him in that. a competitive game. That's the thing to me, right? My number one thing is competitive. And so it came down to the wire. But it came down to the wire with bad plays being made rather than good plays being made. But it's still a tense game. And so there is some enjoyment. Now, there wasn't a lot of enjoyment during a lot of it. But ultimately, in the fourth quarter, there's a game, an NFL game on the line. I like that. I, I'm, a, I'm an NFL guy. So I like a competitive NFL game. This, so it was on, so bad that it was though, good. If this was a college I game, I would have killed it. With that quarterback play, you would come well, in here screaming at the top of your lungs about, Chad, defend your sport. This is your game. Look at that great offense out there. That's fair. That was horrific on a national stage. That's fair. It was awful. That was terrible. That was not good defensive but play. But I will say, I... The, I Stephon Gilmore is, is washed. He's slow. At this point. And Russell Wilson was so bad, he made him look like Deion Sanders. He made him look like primetime in his prime. I will say, That's I've been less excited was. about Russell Wilson throughout this whole thing. I thought, too, the, the shot, and I can't remember where I read it, that illustrated it beautifully, the shot of new Broncos ownership looking just miserable. Then they realized the camera was on them, and they kind of mustered some, some emotion, some, some pulse. But they've got decisions to make ahead of them. I, I don't look at this Broncos team and think, oh, they're going to dig out of it in a month. They're going to be well, fine. They're... they're Trouble, but he, here's why. Here's why I agree with Al Michaels on this. On so bad, it's, it's so good. bad, it's good. It's because it wasn't Marcus Mariota and Geno Smith at quarterback. You have Matt Ryan and Russell guys. Wilson playing this 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 bad. Guys, that's why I was intrigued by. It. Had it been 
like a terrible quarterback matchup. Had it been Cooper Brandon Rush Wheaton. taking on, you know, uh, uh, Boyle, Tim Boyle up in, in Detroit. I don't like, even know I, if he's there. We're not watching it, right? Like, he's there. Uh, yet we're not watching it. But because of the quarterback play and what we've seen from them in the past, I'm drawn to the struggle more than I am the success last night. And, I, I and, think and, and that's, I really that's like the it. only reason I truly I, I will truly tell you if it were another quarter had a bad quarterback been playing I'm not watching that game I don't really like Russell Wilson so I kind of like watching Russell Wilson struggle well I think there's two different things it, it, it's not so bad it's good it's so bad that it's memorable that game is memorable Com- for compelling. being the night I that thought. Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan two you know good quarterbacks over the course of their career being terrible it doesn't make the game good. So I agree well, with Kirk Kerbstreet when he says, I'm not there yet to say that it's so bad it's good. I think it's so bad that it's so – to the level of awful of that game start to finish, I'm always going to remember it. I'll look back and think, remember, there was a really bad game at one point between the Broncos and the Colts, but it was never good. I do admire that the A teams – can call that team and say call that game and say it's terrible. Well, here's the because here's, right a B team on CBS is no, no, not, not going to call not that even out. B team like, like this. Al Michaels mentioned it. I'm not sure how many uh, like listeners, viewers of his audience got it. He made some remark to Kirk and, and Herbstreit got it. He goes, "This is more like a fifth. Th- this is the fifth regional game on Sunday. Yeah, meaning like this is the." the trash game that no one wants, but they have the contract for it on CBS or Local. NBC or, yeah. or, or not even NBC, Fox or CBS. And yeah, he's saying, like, this is the, the regional matchup no one wants. This game deserves that. But I'm saying that crew on that fifth game probably isn't calling out just how horrible it is because they don't have the stripes that Al Michael has to be able, Al Michaels has to be able to say it. Yeah, they wouldn't And the say fifth it. crew on CBS is also kind of a home markety crew, right? Where they're gonna yeah. they're gonna paint that is okay for the Broncos. I thought they the did a good job of just eventually leaning like into it, it and just talking I, about how bad it I was. I think that made it bear, a bearable watch. Well, yeah, it's Al Michaels being Al Michaels, yeah. right? Like there there are times during these games over the first month of the season, I, he sounds bored to me. I don't think he enjoys doing the streaming only broadcast. That's my opinion. He does not sound as energetic calling the game. Well, I think part of that's Herb Street is not bringing no, a lot Street, of. That, I think he's been great. He, he's good been on great. the analysis, but on the enthusiasm I mean, when something big happens, they've been lacking. Last night's not a good example well, because there's nothing to get Al excited Michaels about. Michaels has been great with her, whoever he's paired with from John Madden to Chris Collinsworth, and he's going to be great with Kirk Herbstreit. I agree. But I, I just think he's kind of bored calling these Thursday night games, even from the first game of the season that they called between the Chiefs and the Chargers. I did not. There's not the same energy to it he's still al michaels but it's not al michaels calling the game because he's not on network tv and he's that's why he didn't go back to monday night he wanted the network game and that's why he went to sunday night and whenever nbc got the contract i only mentioned that to say like i think he really enjoyed last night because it was so bad it was good for him because he's leaning into the fact that he's able to criticize in a different way that others are not able to lean into. So why did he take this gig if he's not that into it? Because the money. Do, uh, do we really have to explain that? <laughs> the because, money. Because I mean, the he was told that he's money. out and he's in with Amazon. Yeah, Mike Tarico. Hey, we got to make way for Mike Tarico. And oh, here is a basically a blank check to go do and these again, games for Amazon. He hasn't okay, said I'll that. do it. He hasn't said that. I'm just well, listening to the broadcast where I don't hear the same Al Michaels. Uh, and it's still been really good. Um, last night was awful. 
but it was fun. Like I don't, I don't, I'm weird like that. Like I'm watching this going. I hope they end in a tie when they went to overtime. And the, we have the audio from the broadcast. If the Colts had two ties, that as, would be so as great. As the fans hit the exits, here's what they were discussing on Amazon last night. They're leaving. The Broncos fans are bailing. They've had enough. It's 9-9. They're like, the heck with it. I'm out. Yep. I'm out of here. That's crazy. Sometimes you just got to beat the traffic. <laughs> that's incredible. And that, that's a fan base saying, we've already lost. We don't care about the win-loss at this point. We just watched that. This offense is miserable. There was an epic failure of a head coach hired. Russell Wilson is drastically overpaid. It's over. That's what that fan base is saying today. I have never seen a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl that had the star power of Russell Wilson fall out of favor with everyone so quickly. I don't know. It's like his failure just illuminated this thing where now everyone can finally openly talk about how hated he is, how no teammate liked him, how he's a phony, how Kyle Brandt said he's a poser. You call someone a poser, those are fighting words. You're right. On and he all went on that. this morning and said, that dude is a poser. You're... And went on to tell a story about him and Sierra not wanting to talk to anyone on the red carpet of NFL honors. Well, they were the only two not doing it. You're right on that but stuff. But he's one being a poser, yeah, if that's true. It's too early to, to, to give the Again, final verdict. But that stuff about Seattle feeling like, and I'm not saying that Geno Smith's the fitting replacement, though he's played excellently so far. But the idea that Seattle looked at him and said, you know, we see the end coming for him. You do see in what he's done so far that he can't do some of the things they thought he can't do. Well, the reports were they were trying to trade him three years earlier to Cleveland. Yeah, I think that was more on the personality stuff. But the ESPN report that came out at the beginning of the year here where they looked at some film and they were talking precisely about he can't do this anymore, he can't do that anymore, and we don't want to be in the middle of a huge contract here seeing the end right there. I'm somewhat sympathetic to Russell Wilson only for this reason. I feel like he's always been who he is, which quite frankly to me has always been kind of a nerd. I think he's a geek. I think he feels out of place around NFL locker rooms, around football locker rooms. I think he tries to do things. He seems to be a guy in an interview that tries to do things that he feels like people want to see. Classic example is the cringeworthy moment where he says, Broncos country, let's ride at the end of his postgame press conference last night. Before he, says walk, all you know, the, he says at the end of every. But the way he yeah. I mean, just that, again, that's Everything's a guy rehearsed. trying to make people like him. He's on script. Trying to do the thing that he feels like is going to be best for him. And now he has become the successful college head coach that loses his job. And the moment he loses his job, it is a info dump on everything that person's done wrong in their career. Paul Christ is facing this right now at Wisconsin. Oh, he didn't recruit. He wasn't calling high school coaches. He's done this. You're getting multiple report after multiple report fed to the media by the school. Here's why we really fire the guy, not just his win-loss record. This is now starting to happen to Russell Wilson. I think he's a good dude. And I'm, I'm a little bit sympathetic, quite frankly, of the guy because he's clearly always been this way, but no one felt emboldened enough to speak out about it until they see him failing massively on the field. I don't, but again, we're five weeks in and it has been a total disaster. But also, he's not a massive failure as a quarterback. There's this narrative that all of a sudden he is Ryan Fitzpatrick or at best Kirk Cousins 
and he is so far better than those guys career-wise. Yeah, when you he look might at his numbers right over his decade uh, with Seattle, and you compare him with the two Super Bowl appearances, and I want to get to the run in a moment, but running the football with Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl, he's a two-time Super Bowl champ, and he's a Hall of Famer. No one would be like he's he's going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just ask Kurt, ask Kurt Warner who did that. Um, so, point being, like we're, I, I think we're looking at it through a lens of. We're seeing a guy who looks very washed up, and I don't disagree with it, but his numbers are in no way awful for the, and I'm not the one saying this, the poser scripted guy. He rehearses everything. When things go off script, it doesn't tend to go well. But things have stayed on script throughout his career, and we're finally seeing it come off the tracks. And now all of a sudden, people are piling on. But I think, too, the guys that people wanted to try to group him with on the tail end of the not Manning Brady, but maybe, you know, Breeze and the next bunch of quarterbacks. None of them have had the uh, fall off the diving board that it looks like that he's having. He's only 33. More graceful. He's only 33. And, and, I, I don't know what's going on. Well, I, I think everything, I went, going to, on with everything went to you know what whenever he hurt his finger. Uh, because prior to that injury, he was yeah, throwing he was the football well run. last year. And then he came back four weeks late. Was it four weeks? Three games. He missed three games. Came back for, in the fourth week he would have missed and played as questionable. And hurried it. Here we are. And now he's got a coach who's not helping him figure it out. Oh, so let's, let's get into this briefly. Uh, and maybe we can, we, can, we can stay lengthy if you want. So the fourth down call. Throwing the football in that situation. Knowing that you have an Indianapolis defense that throughout that drive and the drive prior, they got the run game going. Herb Street in a boring game was pointing out how Seattle was, uh, excuse me, Denver was getting a push uh, on the defensive front of Indy. Fourth and one, multiple timeouts. They show the guy, um, Paul, the, the guy who's in charge of clock management now. Oh, the special teams guy. Can't and you can see name. the look on his face of disgust whenever Indianapolis calls the timeout. Because, and I thought Herbstreet was great. He was like, if you're going to try to catch them in some personnel, you want to snap the ball fast. And then another timeout happened. And you can, Jerry see, Rosper. you can see Nathaniel Hackett mouth the word pass to Russell Wilson on the sideline. And sure enough, they're throwing the football in that moment. And I'm thinking, if you just... Roll out. Get him out of the pocket. We have seen... This was the whole narrative with him in Seattle. Every time. He didn't have the protection, and he made things happen in the moment. And, and last night, I mean, in a game that's gone that bad for the offense, to think that you're going to come up with a great passing play... Come on. Did you hear Richard Sherman on it? Oh, it was great. Richard Sherman was basically like, haven't great. we been here before with PTSD. this? Don't we know better? Yeah, I mean. He, he said, he, I wish Marshawn he, was, he was here terrific. with me right now. We so, can talk about this. So I'm gonna, to me, this, so Hackett's, you know, he's calling plays. And he called the play in week one to send his field goal team out and not keep Russell Wilson on the field. From far away. And, and four games later, yarder. fourth and one to kick and tie in overtime, decides to go for it in the touchdown and throws in the back of the end zone after what, what, what felt like an eternity for that play to develop after multiple timeouts. First, when they come to the line, he's under center. They come out of the timeout. He's in shotgun. He's in shotgun. Another timeout, back in shotgun. I don't get it, guys. Like the, the, to me, I look at the play call more than I look at the execution. 
Amateur. Uh, just he you guys feels, agree or no? He feels yeah, no, he I, feels I totally dead agree. to me. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett has since week one, but I mean it's getting worse and worse with him. I do not understand. You also you have a mobile quarterback, so even you know the rollout possibility. It was less than a yard. If you really look at where the sticks were, I'm thinking rush up to the line and sneak it, and you're going to get it easily. With Russell Wilson at quarterback, they could have gotten that first down on the conversion. It was it was the worst possible decision to drop back with the game that Russell Wilson was having, with the problems with your passing game being in sync, to drop back and try to throw it into the end zone. Yeah. On fourth and one from what, the five maybe? Six or five? Was I did just, not. It was the worst possible decision. I don't have great recall for things like this, but I would love one of these guys who does like deep, deep dives and spends better part of a week on it, like Bill Barnwell from ESPN, to do a like – uh, a big graph and then write on the top five like expectations versus delivery at the beginning of an NFL season. I wasn't big on Denver coming in, but I, I didn't think they'd be this horrid either. And I wonder where they'd fit in the context just the last 10 years of teams that started no with one, huge expectations. And no one thought like they were going to be like this. It's just, it's so bad. I, I honestly feel a little bit bad for Russell Wilson. I don't. Because it just so quickly changed with him. There was always whispers about, I don't know that his teammates really love him that much. Remember when he lost in Seattle? Yeah. And all the response from Richard Sherman, everyone, just backflips they were doing over Geno Smith beating Russell Wilson, a guy who won a Super Bowl I thought he seemed Seattle. kind of phony, and now the evidence that's coming out, there are people suggesting that he's phony, and I don't like phonies. So when phonies fail, it doesn't bother me. Well, they, they don't, normally I, don't take this long to fail, though. Let me say this, no, though. Well, right. about, I mean, it's, it's in line with his, the aging thing and the finger thing and a bad coach thing. There are a lot of other people. Paul, I think, elements. though, his level of phony, this is where I'll make the, the distinction. Most phony comes from uh, a place that's – there's Insecurity. intent behind it, right? I'm going to fool everyone by being this person that I'm not and then intentionally doing all these other things. I think that th- – Russell Wilson has always just kind of struck me as a nerd. He's a fish out of water. He's trying to fit in. And what he thinks is trying to fit in does not connect with other players in his locker room. That's the sense I've always got. Locker rooms see through that kind of stuff. It's a fish out of water story problem. Let's also mention what happened in regulation. Clock management. They've got a guy upstairs doing that now, so we can blame Hackett. But again, Jerry Rosberg. They brought in Rosberg, who's up there doing this too and giving Hackett advice. And they faced a, a situation where it was a third and four from the Indianapolis 13-yard line. And they decide to pass in the back of the end zone. Bad throw by Russell Wilson. Picked off by Stephon Gilmore. But in that situation, they're up 9-6, 13-yard line, third and four. And they've got the football with just over two minutes left and a chance to run clock. Should be milking it. And Get the first down and milk it. Uh, you know, uh, running it, if you don't get it, you're still running clock. You kick the field goal, you go up. That right? plays also in slow motion. Um, it's yeah. like a slow motion play. And all you, the, the Colts would have to put together a touchdown drive to beat you, which they're not doing. And instead, they need a field goal to go down and tie. And we're off to overtime. And let's, uh, I mean, we focused here heavily on Wilson. I mean, we saw Matt Ryan uh, last week against our local team here, and uh, the Titans. I mean, he is. He looks old, just old. I think he's still spending it well. I, I think he has no pass protection. 
Last night on a short week, they've changed everything. They started um, a rookie left tackle on a short week off of a loss in Indy with Matt Pryor, and so they went with their third round draft pick starting for the first time at left tackle, and he was awful. He had three penalties in the first half, um, holding penalties, had a false start. And they kept going, uh, allowing him to block one-on-one on the edge. I don't understand why Matt Pryor, and we talked about this on the show while people were touting and touting and touting the Colts' offensive line, but they were ignoring left tackle Matt Pryor, who shuffled, was part of the shuffle last night. One of the uh, pro football focus guys said he allowed nine quarterback pressures last night, most of any player in a game this season. So it doesn't matter how good Quentin Nelson is, and a couple of their other guys haven't played that well. If you, your weak link is that weak, your offensive line isn't that well, good. Did they move in the right tackle, or did he not start? I think he, uh, I think he moved to right tackle. Yeah, so, like they moved, but on a short week, that doesn't make sense to me. You have no practice time. You're traveling on Wednesday. You're banged up on Monday when you come back off the Sunday game in Indy. They, they, they right. look like a, a, a poorly coached group last night and Matt Ryan was frustrated he had no time to throw it uh, there were times where he tried to throw it away it looked awful and got it out before the the sack was happening this is what a what a gift to win that game last night for Indy that's a that's a it sounds like laughable to say that's a big win for them it's a huge win for Indy because they move forward and, and now Frank Reich is totally off. gifted exactly. by the fact that Nathaniel Hackett's on the opposite exactly. side that's it he did not coach well in that game he did not coach well in the week leading up to that game they were handed a gift they've been handed a gift twice now Kansas City playing as terrible as they did that one game in Indy and last night the fact that Nathaniel Hackett is coaching Russell Wilson who appears to be completely washed up that's we, it. I'm thinking last night in overtime, we have our uh, GTFO segments next week. We may go unanimous Broncos on that. <laughs> I think, That'd Paul, was, you, you've already got them on the list, right? No. Eliminated? No, no, no. one has them. But I, I I've got like them now. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but that'll be my pick. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, we'll switch gears and get you ready for the college football weekend. Withrow has his top 10 games for college football to kick off tomorrow, and we'll take a layer or two deeper on each matchup. Uh, We will go rapid fire next on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. 
Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Glad you're with us, Outkick 360, Friday edition. Paul, does it feel like a Friday now to you? It does. Okay. It's my second Friday of the week. I went back-to-back Fridays. Every day's a Friday. Somebody owes me a Thursday. Wouldn't it be nice if every day was a Friday, though? It's really not a bad predicament to be in for you. If every no. day feels like Friday for you? Uh, who is it that hosted Saturday Night Live when the, the weekend was the band? Somebody puts that up every... Oh, uh, it's Daniel, da- Craig. Daniel Craig. Yeah. James Bond, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. That, that, that's always weekend. on Twitter at about 5 o'clock on yeah. Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. The weekend. It's a classic. I love that. It's yeah, great. Too. I like that gets clip, me, too. Gets, gets me ready. Gets me juiced. But in sport, like juiced especially too. this time of year, nothing feels like a Monday for us because Mondays are jam-packed, right? Like with info, reaction... We come in on Friday. We're ready to react to Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Um, F- falls. You know. I feel like I'm not into my week until Wednesday. Like I'm finally grounded and settled in by Wednesday yeah. from the weekend because so much is happening Monday, Tuesday, and then by the time Wednesday gets here, I do have kind of Paul's sense of by Thursday. Then it feels like the week should be over, but it's not. There's one more day, right? So I I understand. At some point later in the show, when we have a moment, ask me my thoughts on the Colts based on the win last night. Okay. Uh, Because we have to get... Jotting it down. We have to get to Chad Withrow's top 10 games of the college football weekend. Need more reasons to watch college football? It's time to bang some hats. Here's Chad Withrow's must-see games this weekend. All right, let's start with number 10, shall we? Yes. Let's go right into the the, uh, SEC slate. Yes. The number 10. A game that is now way more interesting than maybe we would have thought even earlier than this earlier in the week, because there's a chance Will Levis, Mel Kuyper's number one overall pick <laughs> in the next NFL draft, Will Levis may not be playing for Kentucky. It that's sounds the case, like he's not, right? Sounds like, the like vibe he's, is not, he's not. Absolutely, and Kentucky opened as an 11 point favorite. What does no Will Levis mean for Kentucky? According to Vegas, about five points. Because it went from 11 to 6. So Kentucky, a six-point favorite at home against South Carolina. South Carolina has not been very good. But there's going to be a pair of workhorse running backs going head-to-head. Marshawn Lloyd for South Carolina. Six touchdowns. Averages over six yards per carry. He's going to get a lot of carries in this game. Chris Rodriguez, first game back against Ole Miss. A solid 19 carries for 72 yards. And a touchdown in his return. Not solid for South Carolina. Under Shane Beamer, they are 0-4 against ranked teams, and they're outscored in those games by an average of 28 points per game against ranked opponents. A couple of thoughts on this game. The Wildcats have the second lowest offensive output per game in the SEC with just 368 yards. That's with Will Levis. The number one pick. Uh, But they have not had Chris Rodriguez for that entirety, so let's also factor that in. And... Last week, when he came back, they ran against Ole Miss 37 times for just 108 yards combined. They have to get the run game going. That is their bread and butter. And then Levis plays off of that. And keep this in mind, 
They have Mississippi State coming up a week from now. So if Levis can sit this this one out, again, pipe dream, like best case scenario, you win this game without him, you then win against Mississippi State in his return, you're looking at a team with six wins and one loss before playing Tennessee on the final Saturday in October. That, that sets them up well, oh, despite yeah. how bad it's been. They need this one. Flip side of that, while yeah. I think Kentucky wins with their really good defense and running game, yes. if they lose to South Carolina, this is a season changer for both of these programs. I agree. Shane Beamer season changes for the good. Kentucky season. Then you look at Mississippi State and Tennessee. It, it's yep. it looks a lot different at that point uh, with two SEC losses after this weekend. Yeah, and that East script that had Kentucky solidly as the second team is it not could change this weekend. Game number nine. Let's go to the Pac-12. Washington State at USC. USC uh, a twelve and a half point favorite in this game. Cougars. Now it's gone up to thirteen. By the way. Um, for the Cougs, their turnover That was my bet that moved it. With Cam Ward, yes. Hutton just laid $100 on it, and that <laughs> reset the market in Vegas. That outkick, yes. So Washington State turns the ball over. USC, they've been very opportunistic on defense so far. But Washington State's defensive front is sneaky good. They can get to Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback. I think it's going to be a good game. 6.30 p.m. Central Time on Fox for Washington State-USC. Did, did you hit USC's turnovers there? 15 to 1. If, if they stay on track for that, that'd be fun. Well, Washington State's going to need to generate some in this game to have a chance, but I think this could be a good game. Game number eight, obviously, it's on my list. Yep. Game number eight, Florida State at NC State. Yes. You guys love NC State. Uh, I do not. Not so much anymore. Well, yeah. NC State is a three point favorite. You know what, Chad? You've swayed me. I hate them now. <laughs> Guys, I feel Very like... Very convincing argument you put together. I, yes, that argument was made for me by NC State against Clemson this past week. Um, I feel like every week I'm saying, this may be the best game ever on ACC Network. Once again, Can I, ACC Network getting a great game here at 7 o'clock uh, between FSU and NC State. My vibe on this, yep. if Florida State wins, this is a clear sign they are ahead of Mario Cristobal in Miami. Like, this is a... I don't trust FSU, right? Um, and I think they're already better than Miami currently. But this is an NC State program that was supposed to do so much more. After winning nine, should have won ten a year ago. This is a bigger game for the Seminoles than it, than it is NC State, but based on my perception of both programs right now. I think that's fair. But they should be ahead of Cristobal because of the time that no, but Norvell we, has but been we there judge the Florida schools in a, in a trio. Yeah. It's Florida, and then I, going into the year, I think many would pick Miami, Florida, Florida State. I think now it's Florida, and then there's a, a gray area. So big question for Florida State in this game. Can they run the football? Season low, 112 yards rushing in that 31-21 loss to Wake Forest last week. NC State has been good against the run. Jordan Travis, the Florida State quarterback, is the straw that stirs that drink. But they got to get something going in the run game. NC State's offense with Devin Leary has been very underwhelming yes. so far this season. But NC State, a slight home favorite in this game. Minus three at home against Florida State. Game number seven. Let's go to Vegas, shall we? Let's I would, go. I would love Guys, to. Guys, let's, let's pick up this show Bobby right Carpenter's now. Win. Right now. Guys, win, show's win, over. Win. Look, we're going to Vegas because that is where BYU will play Notre Dame tomorrow. Notre Dame, the Irish, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. This game is at 7.30 Eastern time on Fox. We talked about turnovers so far. BYU does not turn the ball over. Their secondary has been really good this year. 
Notre Dame's offense is improving, but still not a ton to worry about with Notre Dame, even after that great rushing performance against North Carolina. This BYU defense, much better than North Carolina's defense. Uh, Drew Pine for for Notre Dame, for the Irish, over 70% of his throws over the last two games. BYU's defense, though, solid, but the defense did struggle against Oregon and Bo Nix. Jaron Hall, quarterback for BYU. This could be his coming out party. Uh, I like BYU in this game, even though Notre Dame's a slight three-and-a-half-point favorite this game on a neutral field in Vegas. You mentioned BYU not turning it over. Uh, that goes hand-in-hand with Notre Dame not taking it away. They forced one turnover all season. So I wouldn't count on BYU giving the ball up in this game. Wrong team's favorite. I agree. Wrong team's favorite. I, I'm with you. I, I think BYU's the winner in this one. That causes danger. Game number six, back to the SEC. Arkansas at Mississippi State. The Bulldogs, nine-point favorites in this one. Noon Eastern SEC Network. Um, Arkansas, if you look at their breakdown of plays, almost perfectly balanced run pass so far this year. Problem with that is they've been perfectly balanced with K.J. Jefferson, who probably is not going to play in this game for Arkansas after getting injured against Alabama. Um, Defense among the best in the country at getting the quarterback. They're going to need to do that against Will Rogers. Mississippi State got it going a week ago against A&M. They haven't really seen a great rushing attack so far for Mississippi State. That's going to be a factor in this. Here's what's good for State. They don't run it much. When they do, they're pretty effective running the football. But everyone wants to think about Mike Leach, say a ton of points, ton of yards. While that's mostly true, they get it done in all facets of the game. A week ago, they blocked a kick for a touchdown. They had a pick six as well. That defense is underrated for Mississippi State. They did all that in that 42-24 win over Texas A&M. So this game, I think, sets up very well for Mississippi State against Arkansas's defense. Mississippi State, they throw the ball on 70% of all snaps. And Arkansas, they've allowed the second most yards per game in the conference ahead of just Vanderbilt. So they've got to keep up with Mississippi State. Last week did a lot for me in my perception of this game. I'm taking the Bulldogs, and I would give the points. It's a lot. I would not have done this a week ago. But based on what I saw against Texas A&M, I'm leaning into the passing game and the fact that I think the better quarterback is with Mississippi State because K.J. Jefferson last week, he completed just 54% of his passes. He was sacked three times. He does not look comfortable this year compared to last year. He may not play, too. So we got to watch that. There, there, he, I know um, that he the was spread gonna, would tell you that he's not. He was going to make the trip, but yeah. he had not practiced this week. Sam Pittman has a rule. If you don't practice, you don't play. There's an exception to that rule. His name's K.J. Jefferson. Yep. So if he wakes up and uh, can get going, he's going to start in this game, but we'll have to wait and see. It'll be a game-time move. If, if the Bulldogs Arkansas. are the surprise team in the SEC West, they win this game. Game number five of the week, Texas A&M at Alabama. Bama, 24-point favorite in this game. Huge mistakes for A&M against Mississippi State and Appalachian State led to losses. When they're mistake-free, even with the bad offense, they win. They beat Miami. They beat Arkansas because they didn't commit the big mistake in this game. There is a report out from Aaron Wilson, who covers the NFL, saying Bryce Young will not play tomorrow. That's the one report I've seen on this. I saw something this morning. (laughs) It's weird. He knows Bryce Young's agent. This was like five minutes ago before he went Uh, on air. He's reporting this. Aaron Wilson is. I've not seen anyone else confirm that, but precautionary measures will sit out for this game. If that's true, 
this could legitimately be a top five game of the week because AM strength is run defense and with Milrow instead of Young at quarterback, what does Alabama become? A rushing offense. Way more than a passing offense. So maybe, just maybe, they can keep it low scoring. A&M will not score enough points for this to be a game, period. I am not leaning into the same narrative I did a year ago. I'm not wasting my money by betting Alabama to cover in this game. Um, I'm not telling you to, to take the points either. I just don't trust this whole Alabama's blowing them out until I see it because I saw this play out last year and I look foolish for saying what I said prior to kickoff. If they win by 14 or 17, it's still a blowout. It just not, not match the spread. I think it's a 17-point type game. I think that A&M covers in this one. Game number four, one that's always good, the Red River Shootout. Texas, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, a Oklahoma plus eight and a half. Yes. No, that should not be right. They were a seven-point favorite, I thought. They're, they're underdog. Texas is a – usually put the minus next to it, so that threw me off. Not normally are we putting the plus. Texas is the favorite in this game. Quinn Ewers is back for the Longhorns. That's big. Taylor Gabriel probably isn't back after the concussion he suffered this last week. Davis Bevel or – get ready for this name, guys – General Booty will oh, be the quarterback on. for Oklahoma. That is not made up. That's a Those real name. parents should be jailed. General Booty could see his first action ever – for the Oklahoma Sooners in this game. I, for one, am rooting that on. Uh, Oklahoma got ripped apart on the ground by both Kansas State and TCU. Bijan Robinson is about to go off in this game for Texas. Oklahoma, bad on defense. This series has been unpredictable, but I think Texas rolls we, in this one. We also saw this game on the same day as AM Alabama last year in what was a classic back and forth. Yep. I also don't trust Oklahoma in this game. The moment General Booty takes the field, his parents should be escorted out <laughs> of the stadium in handcuffs and taken to jail. Well, one, of the, one of the few times where the name fits is with football, college football. Maybe he doesn't even have parents. He was just created <laughs> in a lab to be General Booty, and that's well, then it. then the scientist. He just emerged. He's like a superhero. He just emerged for all of us to play quarterback. Even better, is it General with a J? That oh, would be awesome. No, that would be amazing. It's, it's the traditional spelling of General. Okay. Rapid fire games three through one. Game number three, TCU at Kansas. TCU, a touchdown favorite in this game. Number 17 at number 19. TCU's running game is averaging seven yards <laughs> per pop. Only Tennessee is gaining more yards overall per, per game this year offensively. They are a juggernaut. Max Duggan, terrific. Running the ball, passing the ball for TCU. Kansas, though. Iowa State was held to 26 rushing yards by Kansas a week ago. Defense held firm. They won an ugly game. I didn't think Kansas would be capable of that. By the way, it's Jalen Daniels, not Jaden Daniels. Big distinction for a game that's coming up that's yep. going to be number one on, on, in the week. He's a big factor for the Jayhawks in this game. Duggan, 11 touchdowns, no picks. Not bad. That's the it, ratio you want. Take the over. I'm trying to see where it is. It's 68 and a half. You don't care where it is. Both of these offenses put up a boatload of points. Take the over. I think this is a classic high-scoring game. Anti-Thursday night football. Tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Central. Opposite. Kansas, TCU. I agree, but it's crazy to me that Kansas won a 14 to 11 game last week and were able to do that against Iowa State. Game number two, number 11, Utah. At number 18, UCLA. Utah, a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. 
Utah, leading the Pac-12 in total defense, second in the nation against the pass, gives up just 111 rushing yards per game. Takeaways have been a huge part of UCLA's uh, 5-0 start. They've got 11 of them so far, including two against Washington. But Utah not really turning the ball over other than that big interception that lost the game at Florida in the swamp to open the season. And Zach Charbonnet is one of the best players in the country. That ground attack for UCLA can power away against even good teams, running the ball very well. They run the ball better than Utah, believe it or not, UCLA. So this is going to be a home game for Utah, even though it's not. You think they're taking over? Have you seen the crowd? The Rose Bowl? Yes, they're taking over the Rose Bowl. Well, there's certainly uh, room for them. I am taking the Utes to, to take care of UCLA in this. Um, and, Chad, I would like to call an audible. When we come back, I would like to go into your number one game of the week. Let's do it. In depth. Nice. We will and save game number one until we come back. Number one, when we return, our thoughts on Tennessee and LSU and why it sits atop Chad's list for the top game of the college football weekend. That's next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We're going through Withrow's top 10 and we're previewing the number one game of the week right now with Tennessee and LSU kickoff at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central in Baton Rouge. Chad, why is this your number one game of the college football weekend? Uh, it's not. There's not the no. This weekend lacks the no-brainer, okay, this is the top 10 matchup. This is what everyone's going to be paying attention to. I think this is going to be the highest-rated game of the weekend. I really do. I think that 11 a.m. slot on ESPN wow. is going to be the most watched because... More than... And I'm, I'm looking at context clues here. Tennessee, okay. Florida is one of the most watched CBS games in a while. A couple weeks ago. People like watching this Tennessee team play offense. Sure. you got the Brian Kelly factor at LSU. Yes, they stubbed their toe in week one against Florida State. Yes, they also are 2-0 and in the SEC right now with wins over Mississippi State. That looks like a great win right now. Uh, they beat Auburn a week ago after falling behind 17-0. So there's some star power in this game with Brian Kelly versus Hendon Hooker, who's now squarely in the Heisman discussion at this point in the year, and Tennessee's offense. And it's two teams that historically are really good college football programs both you know, top 10, top 15 all-time in wins that don't meet that often. It's rare that Tennessee and LSU play against each other. So I think it's going to be a very highly rated game. It's my number one game of the week. In terms of the matchup, it's strength on strength. Tennessee averages almost 49 points per game. LSU's given up only 14.8 per game. So, so Tennessee strength offense, LSU strength defense. Let's, let's play ball. 
Do you agree? To me, this is a great example of what I was asking Josh Heupel about at SEC Media Days when he joined us. Can your defense get two or three more stops per game than you did last year? And he cut me off and he said, we want our defense to be as explosive and as aggressive as our offense. Okay, that's great. But we're talking about this year with the talent you have this year. Can they get off the field two more times than average? If they do, they're winning this and they're covering. Like, I'm not worried about the Vols going on the road in the early portion of the day and winning in Death Valley. I, I will say I, I'm worried about the rush defense for Tennessee, even though we've seen it be okay. Jaden Daniels by far is their leading rusher here, and they run the football effectively within their offense. I think if he gets going and the run game gets going, they can control the clock and play their style and have some long drives to where Hendon Hooker's on the sideline. But if the defense can get off the field once or twice on three to six snaps, Tennessee's winning this game by 14 or more. I think that those are very good points. I also think if Tennessee does its thing for LSU to be there with them, Jaden Daniels is going to have to take a few more risks and throw deep more. He's been yeah. kind of conservative. Yeah, he doesn't throw it And he's going to have to unleash a little bit. And not just that, but can't, like, I don't think we know if he can do that successfully. Yeah. So he's got to do it and do it with some success to beat a team of this caliber. You know, a, a couple things, too, that would worry me from a Tennessee perspective. Eight interceptions so far for LSU secondary. Uh, they've given up a ton of yards. They've also turned the ball, turned people over. On the other side, so can Hendon Hooker continue to not make the big interception, not throw an interception at all, which he hasn't done so far this year? The other thing is, if Jaden Daniels is not 100% healthy and is not comfortable running in this game, I think Tennessee rolls. Yes. Uh, I I really think his health is something to watch. He left the game against Auburn, and there's not a lot of talk about that this week. And Brian Kelly's, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be ready to go, but if he's slowed, th- that's where Tennessee's defense can look competent. Look so, at the second half against Pitt when they had a backup quarterback who couldn't run. Tennessee's defense looked good in that second half when the threat of the run wasn't there. If that happens against LSU, I think that's a huge advantage for Tennessee. Definitely. And, and most of Daniel's rushing yards come on scrambles where he just improvises. Um, he's only had 59 yards on design runs for him but he has 325 on the season. And the knock on him is he's a little too quick yeah. to abandon the pass play and try to scramble. But if you can't, and, and it makes that, it that explains no Let's shots because nothing's developed. If you can't right. throw on this Tennessee secondary, you're not throwing on an SEC secondary. Right. right? Yeah, there's going to be opportunities with those receivers and in this secondary. Tennessee benefits because it's an early morning game there. They should benefit coming off the bye. I hope for, for their sake they start fast because if they don't, this is an LSU team that can win this game, and that's why they're only a three-point favorite on the road. Two and a half now. Headlines next, plus upset picks in the NFL and Outkick 360.